First one here is going to be from Drake Riggs of My MMA News. Good to see you, Demetrius. How you doing? No good. How about you? I can't complain, man. Uh, so, you know, you've had an incredible career, fought really just about everybody you possibly can. So at this point, in this stage, getting ready to try and become one championship champion, I mean, does anything really feel like a challenge anymore for you? I believe everything's a challenge. I mean, being 34 years old, be doing this for a very long time, getting uh, the daily grind in and out of the gym and, you know, taking on an athlete like Adrian Moraes is, it's not easy, right? It, it's a challenge. Uh, he's very long, very big for the weight class. He has a, a reach advantage. So, you know, the challenge would be, you know, how can I cross distance without running into any trouble, getting there, getting my hands on him and imposing my will. So, you know, right there, I just named, you know, a challenge. And that's just one part of my career, uh, you know, and uh, being a father, raising three children, getting them to school. And yeah, I mean, everything's a challenge. Do you think that people make too much out of the size difference? Because, you know, you only have three laws in your career. You've mostly everybody you fight is bigger than you. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I was in North America, you know, you're, you're fighting guys who are five, three, five, four. Uh, my last couple of points have been a little bit more on a, a taller side. You know, I believe you, Yas, probably five five, and Touch Me to Water is probably five six. Um, Adrian Marais is maybe five seven, five six. I don't really know. So it, it's funny. I was talking to somebody, and they were like, "Dude, when you fight in America, you're fighting guys who are actually your height. Now, when you're in Asia, you're fighting guys who are taller than you." Um, but that just shows you I'm, I'm I'm up at a different weight class. I'm fighting at one thirty five to where in America I fight at one twenty five. Yeah, definitely. And just speaking of, you know, those bigger guys and the 135ers you've fought in the past, of course, you've fought the best one, arguably ever Dominic Cruz. And, you know, you guys go way back. Just curious, you know, if you saw his recent fight and thoughts on him still being able to hang with guys in his division. Yeah. As long as last fight, he looked great. You know, Dominic Cruz has that same style. He likes to use a lot of head movement, a lot of footwork, um, just a lot of that, that movement. Um, yeah, he looked great. I'm happy that Dominic Cruz is still able to compete, make money and, and be healthy. You know, at the end of the day, we're all athletes. We have a short window of opportunity to make as much money as possible. And he's had a very su successful career as an analyst and I'm happy for him. Absolutely. And, you know, just curious, uh, what did you think of the monster thoughts? If you have any comments or thoughts on his call out? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's a personal thing between him and Hans and obviously that's his opinion. And, you know, I you know Monster, they're a great company. They pay very well to their athletes. They take care of their athletes. Uh, and it's not just mixed martial arts athletes. They take care of They take care of all types of athletes, motocross, uh, you know, photographers, videographers. So, you know, I'm sure that Hans and Donald Cruz will square out that beef. And, you know, I understand where he's coming from, right? As athletes, like I said, we do this for, to, to make a living. And when a sponsor comes in a way of you getting a paycheck, you're going to have, you know, ill will towards that person. So, you know, he's letting everybody know, like, dude, like, that's not okay what you're doing. Next question will be from Jude Briosis of Overtime Heroics MMA. The whole world knows you're a fantastic martial artist, probably the most complete and well-rounded of all time. But I believe one strongest critic is himself. And we certainly couldn't find any areas where you need to improve. But what aspect in mixed martial arts do you personally think that you still need to work on? I think everything. Um, I, I believe there's always something you can work on when it comes to mixed martial arts. Like competing and training in the gym are two different things. So for me, I still haven't got to the point where I like to let my hands go a little bit more. But you're playing with such fine windows of opportunity 
on the feet ground it's a little bit different you can feel it and you can feel your your opponent's energy and their weight how they transfer on the feet you're you're playing with just windows of you know of openings and i haven't been able to you know utilize those openings that i see being hailed as one of the greatest of all time and i personally and i personally think that you are does the fear of losing ever get to you like does it ever bother you once you finally step into the octagon nope he said, step into the octagon. I'm not, I'm stepping in that thing ever again, dog. Um, no. So for me, it's not about losing. It's about performances, right? Like my last loss against, you know, Henry Cejudo was probably one of my best performances. And my stock even run up even higher because each time I go out there and fight, I go out there and compete. I'm not worried about losing. Like losing is part of the game. I've lost before and nothing's, nothing's ever changed. Um, I've gone out there and, and, and won fights and, you know, nothing's ever changed. So for me, when people give me that hail of the greatest of all time or the power of my goat, that's, that's their opinion. For me, I know I'm a hard worker. I know I'm one of the best to ever do it, especially in the, in the flyweight division. And I'm just going to keep on training hard. So I'm not worried about losing. Next question here from Conan Altatis of Conan Daily. Are you willing to use your platform to share your thoughts about current social issues, especially in the U.S., or would you rather stay out of it and, you know, focus on MMA? Um, I focus on MMA, and when I use, my social media platform is for my use only. I believe um, everybody's political beliefs and what they believe in is for their own uh, place to share. But, you know, I don't, you know, I'm pretty transparent about my, my beliefs, but I don't think it's a place for me to share. If somebody asks me what I think, then I'll give it to them. But you're not going to say one wrong move. I can say one wrong thing. And next thing you know, oh, I can't believe he thinks that, blah, 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 blah. It's like, for example, my, I have a German Shepherd and the trainer came over there and she goes, now when your dog pees in the house, make sure you don't, you know, stuff his nose in it and, and whack him. I was like, nah, dog, dog, I'm old school. Like, she pissed on the ground. I'm grabbing her by the scruff. I'm shoving her face in the, in the urine. And I'm saying, don't do that. And I'm smacking her. And I'm tearing her again on the couch. If you have a problem with that, then you, you can leave the house. But that's the, I'm old school. So people are going to have a little release. They're going to call Peter on me. And I'm like, well, if, if it's my dog, I don't tell you how to raise your dog. So that's why I kind of just, you know, when it comes to political beliefs, I keep it to myself. Second is, do you think fighting in your home country will work for your advantage? Well, I'm not in my home country, so. Um, but when I have fought in my home country, I'm uh, fighting in the U.S. <laughs> I no, you mean am I fighting in the U.S. time zone? I'm not fighting in the U.S. Yes, I'm fighting in my, the U.S. time zone. So, do I think it's going to be to my advantage? Right. Uh, I think it's going to help me uh, better instead of trying to acclimate to Singapore time zone. Yeah, Adriano is considered the, the underdog, but what do you think is his greatest uh, strength? that you have to watch out for? I think his greatest strength is his grappling. Um, he, like I said, he's very long for, I think he's very long for the division, very tall. And he has those long legs, phenomenal grappler. He likes to get on people's back, lock up the body triangle with me, me shorter. I've showed in the past, you know, with Tatsumi Tawada, when he got my back, lock up the body triangle, took me like three minutes to get that thing off me. Didn't really take any damage from, you know, Tatsumi Tawada being on my back, but you know, that's three minutes of me that I could have been working, trying to finish a fight, passing guard, throwing elbows, anything. So that's the biggest uh, strength I believe Adriano has.
Next question here will be from Zach Harkness of MMA Island. So Marais seems to have taken a trash-talking approach in the lead-up to this matchup, which is kind of surprising considering your standing in the sport. Were you surprised that he took this attitude before the fight, and how does the trash-talk quality compare to others that you've faced? Um, you know, I, I don't – I am not – to be honest with you, I'm not sure like the the way he's thinking because I haven't really followed his career, so I don't know how he approaches um, his fight. So this is, I guess, new to me. Um, but you know, I, I've had trash talk before on my fights. You know, fighting John Dotson. Um, you know, I think John Dotson was the only one who really talked rap. But yeah. It's just the way he likes to take if he wants it. As you've beaten a lot of the contenders in the division, if you claim the belt, how would you feel about going for a second belt moving up and facing an opponent that eluded you if he also wins the belt in a John Lineker? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't shy away from that, whether I win the belt or, or come up short. Um, you know, me and John Lineker used to fight for the same organization, if for the same division uh, at 125. Um, but you know, if I don't, I don't foresee him getting past, uh, my teammate, Bibiana Fernandez, and I have no interest ever fighting Bibiana Fernandez. Next question here from Nick of South China morning post. Uh, you just mentioned Bibiana there. We're doing a little live stream for this. And there was a question in the chat just asking, is there any news on the one championship goat himself, Bibiana Fernandez, when he may be coming back? You know, I'm not sure. Bibiana Fernandez, he's, he's doing very well. I speak to him almost at least three times, uh, three times a month, but he's at home. He just had his, uh, I think 41, 41th birthday. Um, so he's doing good. Um, he's just waiting for that next fight. Um, I'm pretty sure the next fight with John Lineker and who, I don't know who John Lineker is fighting next. I'm sure if John Lineker wins that, it might be him, but maybe I know the man from the jungle is always ready. He's just waiting for that phone call. We found out he had flight issues yesterday. He missed his media duties. So I was worried the fight wouldn't happen, um, but I presume it's all okay. But what's it like just having to have to constantly deal with the fight being rescheduled the last 18 months or so? You know, it, it can be frustrating, but there's un, uh, it's out of my control. So when the fight, you know, we're supposed to fight, I believe it was last year, we're supposed to fight in China, and then we're supposed to fight in Jakarta, and then we got scheduled for February, now it's in April. So there's a little frustration, but, you know, you just got to stay focused and stay healthy and keep on training. And, and that's all we did, to be honest with you. We just, you know, we're getting ready in February, he's doing Christmas, and and my coach came and goes, hey, I think they want to push it back, the fight back in April. They want to promote the fight during March Madness. I'm like, oh, my God, can we just fight already? Um, but, you know, we're here now. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he made his flight. I hope he had a great flight. I hope he's feeling good and we can uh, get this, this fight done with. Your one championship career has been paired with Eddie Alvarez. You guys have always fought on the same cards. It's, it's happening again. Well, how do you think his fight's going to go? Do you, do you have a prediction for that? He, he's, he's obviously backing you. I know you guys are pretty close. You did Brendan Shorb's show recently. Yeah, I, I got Eddie's back to, to, to the wheels fall off. <laughs> um, big fan of Eddie Alvarez. Uh, come a long way. Um, I remember when he won the UFC lightweight championship. Now he's in, um, you know, one championship. He had a very tough loss against Tatsumichin, uh, uh, Timothy Nasty Nukin. 
And now he came back, bounced back with a win over uh, Eddie Falang with that nice sweep. I uh, got the choke. And now he's got his hands full with uh, Yuri Lapicus. And it's a little bit different. I, I tell people it's a little bit different for us to come over here, be quarantined like every other athlete is, and trying to stay active, trying to stay focused, trying to stay motivated. But I think he's going to go out there and do his thing. And for him, it's a little bit different as well because he's fighting guys a little bit bigger. You know, granted, Eddie does get to 190, but he's used to fighting guys at 155, not as tall. But it's, it's going to be a good fight. I'm, I'm very excited for this fight with Yuri Lapicus. This next question will be from Jake Snoopowski of Trusty Cage Podcast NYC. Uh, Demetrius, you haven't been the challenger in a title fight since September 22nd, 2012, almost nine years. How does your preparation change, especially mentally and being the challenger rather than the defending champion? It never changes. And the only thing that changes is that now I'm training for a five-round fight instead of a three-round fight. So um, that's nothing really changes. I've never had that mindset, um, even though when I won the first, my first belt in 2012, and now I'm about to go for a, a different belt, you know, it, it's my, my mindset never changes. It's just, it's just another fight. Cool. I'm also curious, how important is it to you and your legacy to show the world and especially Dana White that you're still at the top of the heap by winning this one championship belt? <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's, it's not important at all to, I mean, I know, and I think the world knows where my skill set is. Um, I've shown him my, my last fights and I'm just, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. Obviously, you know, <laughs> I'm not worried about showing anything to Dana White. <laughs> this next question here will be from Jay Anderson of cage side press. Hey DJ, welcome back. Thanks very much for the time tonight. Um, a couple of things. First of all, I just wanted to ask you about Adriano Moraes because I mean, he's not a household name to Western fans. He might be kind of overlooked by the uh, MMA community here, but in your estimation, in terms of the challenges that you faced, I know the next fight's always the biggest, the next guy's always the toughest, but where do you kind of rank him among the opponents you've uh, taken on? Hey, he's, he's up there. I mean, he's the next biggest, he's my next biggest fight. He's my next challenge. So, and I, I think the reason why, you know, potentially he's not a household name is that he hasn't done any work in the U.S. soil. Right. Like I believe the only reason my, my name is big in the U.S. soil and in Asia as well is for what I've done on American soil and how I've gone about my career. Um, you know, I, I don't skate by in my fights. I'm always looking for the finish. Um, and I think that's what kind of like elevated my, my, my name, essentially. And the other one I wanted to ask is, I mean, you've had a couple of uh, almost gleeful reactions uh, tonight when you've been asked about your uh, for former employer. And I'm just wondering, when you talk about, like, never having to step in the octagon again, do you feel free or rejuvenated having made this move? Do you, do you feel like you're kind of free of the past in a way? I mean, my past is, you know, I don't run over my past and it's not like I don't like talking about it. I just love how it's catching people. Right. I was like, well, how do you feel when you step in an octagon tonight? And I'm like, well, I'm not stepping in an octagon. It's because I'm being, I'm, I'm still sharp. I'm, I'm, I'm basically analyzing are you guys question? Well, the question that people are asking me. So, and the gentleman asked me like, you no, know, do you think you need to go out there and prove to Daniel White that you're still one of the best in the world? I know I'm still one of the best in the world. I, I know that for a fact, um, whether I go out there or win or lose. Um, I know I'm one of the best in the world. So I just, I just, I just chuckle about it. Do you feel that you're in a better place now than when you, you were a couple of years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, when I was in, when I was in a UFC, I felt like I accomplished everything that I could. I felt like the only thing I could have accomplished uh, more is going up there try to do the double champ 
are trying to get more pay-per-view buys. That's the only thing that I, I can look back on in my UFC career. But like, that's the only two things that I, I never were able to accomplish. Like, how can I generate, you know, 500, 600, 700,000 pay-per-view buys and go up to 135? But, you know, at the end of the day, when it was those talks, you know, I had stipulations that... I wanted that they didn't want to meet. So here I am now. I'm at a brand new organization going for a world title. And if I could be a champion of both sides of the world, that'd be phenomenal. Simon Romero of Behind the Grid. I should have this one for you here. So you got to be honest with me. You stood across the cage uh, against Henry Cejudo in your career twice. Does it still bug you to this day that you haven't been able to settle the score for those two fights yet? No. That's the only one I got for you. So I appreciate that. Uh, the kind words. Three times, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along now, we have our next question from Dylan Bowker of My MMA News. Dylan Bowker, please go ahead. Hey, uh, the first question I have is in regards to a recent post I was seeing on the One Championship social media. You likened your Grand Prix title to the crown jewel of your career. I'm kind of curious if you get the ideal outcome here and win the Millennial One Championship, do you think that will supersede that in any kind of way or is it your appreciation of grand prix that will always kind of position that as the capstone achievement it's the appreciation of grand prix um achievement like i said in that in that interview when i did it like i'm being straight up i watched more grand prix growing up than my as a kid or uh, and when i was in college like I never forget, like coming home and just watching, popping in DVD players and watching um, Korkop and Venue Silva and Josh Burnett and just seeing those guys go through and be like, oh, dude, go break down, an eye kick, just seeing it over. And then even when I was in, um, when I was working and I wasn't a professional athlete yet, I remember watching Bibiana Fernandez in the Dream uh, Grand Prix. Um, when he's fighting Joe Warren and seeing him get that fat, nice belt from dream. So I've always been a big fan of world grand prix just because it's, it's, there's no, there isn't any, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There isn't no, like, uh, what's I'm looking for? it's not about how big you are, right? You get 16 top dudes in a, in a weight class, and they just go in, it to, in there and they just fight. So there's no market. I mean, there is marketing, but, you know, if you want to get to this championship, you have to go through these guys to get to that belt. And that's one thing I love. I've always appreciated about the Grand Prix um, to where nowadays, you know, someone who has a big name can just walk in there on losses and, you know, in mixed martial arts, you can get a world title shot on losses. And in a world Grand Prix, once you lose, you're out. Like it's, you're done. It's, it's over with. So um, even if I'm able to capture, you know, the one flyweight belt uh, on Thursday, Singapore time, Wednesday, my world Grand Prix is always my crown jewel. Yeah, I can definitely resonate with the love for Grand Prix there, man. But also I wanted to follow up with your thoughts on something here, because when I interviewed Adriano Marais, I didn't think it was hyperbolic to say that this fight is one of the more consequential flyweight bouts in MMA history, just considering the respective resumes of yourself and Marais. Like, I'm kind of wondering what your feeling is on that characterization there. No, it's, it's definitely a big fight. It's, it's definitely a big fight in my career. Uh, I, you know, I'm approaching it as it's uh, another big fight. 
and then that's that's it you know and, and back to the grand prix talk like if there was a 140 if if there was a featherweight world grand prix and my body was healthy enough and and chachri gave me the blessing to step into it and depending on who was in it like let's say there was a world grand prix at featherweight and they're like oh there's some big motherfuckers there though they're like, yeah, you can do it if you want. Then maybe I would do it. But if I were to win it and I have to fight Bibiana Fernandez, I'm like, I don't want to fight Bibiana. I just wanted the belt. <laughs> but um, I, I just, I just like it. It's just like I said, it's something I grew up. It's something I grew up, you know, watching, seeing uh, Sakuraba do a, the Open Way Grand Prix. Sakuraba doing it, and it's almost like I don't know. I feel like when you do the Grand Prix, it's it's like I feel like I spent my whole entire career you know, fighting and obviously that's what you do in your career is fight. But I feel like in the grand P it was just fun for me. Like just going in and fight and like, okay, your next opponent's going to be this guy and that's it. You know, when you're just sitting and you're training in the gym, you're just waiting for the phone call. Like, Hey, your next opponent's this guy. So I think kind of seeing who's in the bracket is fun, but yeah. Evan Montgomery will fight freak. So with a on Saturday, where would you rank yourself among the greatest MMA fighters of all time? That's up for the public, but you know, like I tell everybody, when I when my time is done, I'll tell my kids like I'm one of the greatest to ever do it in my in a, in a smaller division. Next question from Singapore Strike Sports. Not only that, this event will be promoting at the uh, TNT, but uh, due to the time zone difference, you will be fighting in the morning. Will it affect you in any way or it doesn't make any difference for you whether you're fighting in the morning or at night? No, I prefer to fight in the morning, to be honest with you. Um, I, I come out here just, just to compete and I'm sticking to the American time zone. So like yesterday, I had to do CT scan at two o'clock and my body was crashing because that's like 1130 11 30 12 p.m 12 a.m our time in america so right now i would be competing inside the cage um and i've been training every day since in 8 a.m which is about five o'clock our time so i'm sticking to the u.s time zone and uh, i'm looking forward to it we have a next question here from ivan stewart sal digeno of Dega, philippines michael shabello yesterday about adriano mora is possible implications on his win so do you think Adriano Moraes has what it takes to become at least one of the greatest flyweights of all time in either promotion? Uh, in either promotion? Uh, see, when it comes to that for me, it's it's hard, right? Like when people, so this is how I answer this. When I ask people, like, why are you calling me the greatest of all time? I, I ask, ask people that. They say, well, it's because your dominance over six years and how you defeated so many different athletes in other and other uh, different forms. That's that's what they tell me, right? So if I were to look at Adrian Moraes' career, he won the belt, then he lost to Kai Akhmatov, then he won it back, and then he beat J.A. Stockio, and then he fought something, then he lost the belt to J.A. Stockio, then he just won it back. So he's had some losses within his championship reign. So a lot of people, the community, like I said, this is all community standpoint. My standpoint would be like, well, I don't know. like I. I'm like, I haven't seen a fight on, I haven't seen a fight American athletes. Like it's, it's hard for me to do it. So that's why I would say I go by the community standpoint. Um, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, what, what do you say? I don't know. We're going to move along now. Our next question will be from Chris DeSantiago of MMA Island. Uh, were you able to the Zoom call your family? Um, yeah, I talked to them. Um, they had a good time. They were doing Easter egg hut. Um, but it was good. Awesome, man. So, uh, you know, with the 135-pound weight division, it's a shark tank of talent. You know, you have 
Kyoji Huriguchi, Juan Archuleta. Uh, yeah, P- Piotr Jan, who's basically the UFC champion under one championship rules. Um, you obviously have Adriano Moraes, who you're facing against next. Out of all those title holders at 135, who would be your toughest test? Probably Peter Jan. His hands are fucking good. <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's very... Um, I mean, it's not to take anything away from Adrian Reyes. He's still, he's still dangerous, but Peter Grant has a very unique style of, of, of fighting. He comes forward. He throws great combinations. He's very fast. Um, he seems like he has a good takedown defense um, and he has power. Uh, so that's always dangerous. Um, but yeah. Our next question will be from Sazali of Straits Time. Time zone issues aside, uh, how stoked are you to, to finally be back, uh, you know, doing what you're best at uh, in prime time in, in, the, in the States. I'm very excited showing... to be back. I'm very excited to be back. Um, just bringing out all this media. Can't wait to get back to my room and eat some food. Um, but I'm super excited to be back to be able to fight on live on TNT and, you know, keep it on American time zone. Yeah, Eddie Alvarez said it's a, it's a bit of a coming out party for, for, for one championship. Do you think, um, you know, fans are, go- are going to find out something new about, about this organization? Yeah, one thousand percent. I think fans who haven't had a chance to, you know, see one championship, they're going to be in for a real treat. You know, you got me taking on Adrian Moraes. You got Eddie Alvarez taking on the Yuri Lapicus, and you also got uh, Rod Ting uh, competing as well. Next question is from Leon Jennings of Asian Persuasion MMA. Hey, DJ, although there have been times when you weren't able to train in the last year and a bit, do you feel in some ways better prepared for the Adrian Moraes, knowing how long you've known he's going to be your opponent? Yeah. I guess so, I guess you can say that. I mean, you know, with COVID, we, we train as much as we could. And then when we weren't able to train, we just chilled and relaxed and didn't worry about fighting and competing. You've taken everything in your stride. Is there anything that gets under your skin? No. At the end of the day, I know why I do this. And that's to provide for my family and my kids. So, um, yeah, that's that's... I don't see why anything will get underneath my skin as long as, as long as my wife and kids are good. I'm able to pay my bills and I got four walls and no and a roof and no holes in my roof. I'm content. I'm happy. DJ, I want to move to some rapid fire question. First thing that comes to your mind, just go ahead and shoot. Um, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh superhuman strength. Like Captain stuck. America or Bucky Barnes. Stuck on an island, you can only pick one fruit. What fruit are you picking? Uh, none because I'm, I have fructose small absorption, so I would have the shits the whole time. Favorite country you've been to? Japan. Who has the best fight style in one championship besides yourself? Ooh, I would say Giorgio Petrosian. He's pretty much damn perfect. <laughs> What's one of your all-time favorite movies? Uh, Aliens or Predator. Favorite food? Burger. One ice cream flavor for the rest of your life. What you going with? It'll be vanilla in game. It'll probably be World of Warcraft. I can do so much on that game. Who's the nicest one athlete you have ever met? Man, they're all nice, to be honest with you. They're all nice and they're all killers. Like, Rod Tang, he's so nice, but it's like, you probably kicked my ass. <laughs> You're going into a medieval battle. What weapon are you picking? Picking a medieval battle. I'm picking a sword and a shield, dog. <laughs> <laughs> DJ, thank you so much for your time, man. All the best. Can't wait to watch you back in the one circle.